98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Hi, welcome back to the show. Gambo here. Kellen Olsen filling in for Burns. He got a little sick this morning, so Kellen's going to fill in, and we are talking a lot of Suns basketball. And one of my good friends who I played a lot of phone tag with over the last few days is going to join us right now, Ramona Shelburne from ESPN. Ramona! How are you? What's going on? Yeah, we were playing a good game of phone tag. Huh? We were tag. I think I don't. I don't remember who was last, but yes, we played phone tag the last few days, me and you, <laughs> because this is. I mean, the Phoenix Suns center of attention here with the with the Robert Sarver story, and then DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams not talking, Oy. and then Jay Crowder doesn't want to be here. So I'll let you go. Where do you want to start? Because you guys have a blockbuster story out on the walls closing in on Robert Sarver. So let let's let's start there and tell me yep. how how you were a big part of this story and just how you came about putting this whole timeline together. Well, you know, I think what was clear to me in discovering it and reporting on this was that you know, there was public pressure on Sarver to sell the team and then there was private pressure. And I think ultimately it came to like, he, you know, he, he was upset. You know, I, I think a lot of people involved would, um, when uh, he was upset with the with the year suspension, he was upset about the whole situation, and it just start it just kept escalating. You know, there's there was LeBron James saying, you know, he had to go. There was Chris Paul saying it. There was um, Draymond Green. But I and I think what what finally moved the needle was when all the sponsors started backing out, and yeah. and we only knew about PayPal very publicly, um, but there was a whole line of sponsors that were about to take the same kind of public stance. Like yeah. there, were, there was a whole line of sponsors that were um, going to end up in the same place. And I think when you, that, that analogy, you know, that, that blind quote in the story, which, you know, the, the walls were closing in, right? So there's, it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't Adam Silver saying, Donald Sterling, you're banned for life. It was, it was coming from five or six different directions, but ultimately it just kind of left Starver without much recourse unless he wanted to go to court and fight. And, um, and, and, and maybe even most importantly, it, it made the path back to the NBA. Like after a year or after that suspension was up, there just wasn't a path back for him either. No. And it would have hurt the Suns and Mercury in the meantime if he would have tried to hang in there. Yeah, I spoke with somebody in the ownership group that told yeah. me that, listen, there's probably language in the partnership agreement that would allow for his yeah. removal if the minority owners determine that he violated his fiduciary duties and, uh, and and acted unethically and immorally. But there was always the plan, and we had discussed this right from day one, that if, the, you know, if sponsors pull out, if the if yep. some of the minority owners speak out, if you start losing advertisers, and so really was it, it yep. was going to be what was the perception going? So once Adam Silver came down with the punishment, that it wasn't over at that point. We 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 had to see how it was going to play out over the next week. Right, right, and I think you know PayPal went first, and their CEO Dan Schulman came out with a statement saying. Hey, we love we love Phoenix, we love the Suns, um, but we're not going to be a sponsor as long as Starbucks still involved. And that was kind of a line in the sand. Now, Dan Schulman is also on the board for Verizon, and there was a list of about twelve other companies that you'll see in the report if you if you check. Where you know, once one company does it, it kind of puts pressure on more companies to do it. These things tend to snowball and and escalate pretty quickly. And you know, I was actually I asked somebody, I actually thought the story might kind of die down. Um, after the first day, and then LeBron James jumped in and tweeted what he said. And it kind of put pressure on other people to come forward and say things and do things. Um, and I, I was, you know, I still wonder how things, sometimes it comes down to how things play. 
and what um, who jumps in and says what when, right? Uh, yeah. But I do think that the, the the final nail in the coffin was really the sponsors lining up and saying, you know, we're we're about to do this. Like I think it was it was going to happen within the next few days and definitely by media day. So yep. he got a chance to, to do it himself. And I, and I had spoken with Robert. I had a short conversation with him on the phone right after he made his decision. And I think, I think a lot of it just came down to protecting his family and not putting his family through any more of this. But I want to get your thoughts. One more yeah. on this one before we move on to DA. I want to get your thoughts on Adam Silver. Did you feel like Adam Silver felt like his back was against the wall and he couldn't really put more of a punishment forward with this? I wouldn't say his back was against the wall. I, I really, my my reporting on this is, is more that Adam was kind of, felt sort of moral obligation to be as objective as he could with this this situation and comparison to Sterling. Like somebody somebody said to me, you know, well, if Sterling was like a 10, you know, like this is what he thinks is his worldview, got to go, no place for him in the league. Like, Sarver in, in Adam's conversations with people, like you know, he talked to everybody. Everybody who talked to the investigators, the lawyers involved in the report, um, you know, Adam Adam takes everyone's temperature too. And I, I think like Adam sort of felt like, well, if Sterling was a ten, maybe maybe uh, Sarver is like a five or a six, right? Like it, it just it didn't. If he gives them the same punishment, there creates this equivalency. Like you're the same as and. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would have been sort of politically better for for Adam to have gone harsher on the first punishment, right? Um, but uh, he wasn't making a political decision there. He was. I think there was a a fairness to it that he was trying to get to, um, but it obviously landed horribly, right? It just you know it didn't yeah. play well. He was criticized by the stars in his league. I thought it was interesting that um, you know in our in our story we talked about how Chris Paul actually called Adam before he put out his statement where he criticized the league. And sort of told him what he was going to say, like you know, which I, I give Chris a lot of respect for, right? It's, you know, if you're going to say something publicly, you should say it to him privately too, right? Like if you're going to, right? If you're going to say some something, something bad about somebody, you know, it shows it shows the level of respect they have in their own relationship. Um, to say like, hey, I'm about to I'm about to hit you here, um, and Adam, you know, took it, right? It, it was, um, yeah, I think that was that was an interesting detail in the story and you know and i think with adam like he didn't do it publicly where he banned sterling for life but he certainly put a lot of pressure on on robert um after the report was out to, to sell the team and just and uh and that's ultimately what happened Hey, Ramon, I wanted to plug this story one more time. If you go to the NBA section on ESPN.com, you'll see it at the top. A lot of fans have been tweeting me asking me how much of this was public versus private in terms of what led to the decision, and the story does a wonderful job of painting that through uh, your reporting and Baxter Holmes's reporting. But to get on to the man of the hour, uh, and it, it had to be something big for it not to be Robert Tarver. It's been DeAndre Ayton. Just what have been Woo! your impressions? Uh, yeah, there, there's your first impression right there, Ramon. Yeah. What have been your impressions from your vantage point of just what you've seen develop uh, locally here at Media Day two days ago and then training camp yesterday yeah. with DeAndre. You know, it's funny. So much of media day is theater, right? When yeah. we go there, everybody's got to put on a happy face and they got to, they got to say what they're supposed to say. And then there are people who just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like DeAndre, you know, like DeAndre was like, he's not going to act for you. He's not going to pretend everything's okay. If it's not okay. Um, I will say this though. Um, I think people are, reading a lot into his words and 
you know, it's, you know, he obviously was upset by how it played out over the summer. You know, if they were going to match instantly on him, only signed an offer sheet with Indiana, why not just give him the contract yourself? I mean, you know, that was, you can debate how the Suns handled that and whether it was worth the sort of deterioration in the relationship it causes or it caused. Um, but the guy got in the gym. He was working all summer. I mean, he wasn't like pouting and he's in great shape. And, and one of the things he said today, Mark Spears pointed this out on NBA today when we were talking about it. He said, um, you know, DeAndre said something like, you know, I don't need to tell Monty. I got to, sh- I got to show him. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, like he's, he's that, that, that is, un, you know, we're, we, most people are focusing on him saying, um, oh, I haven't talked to him since, since game seven. Maybe the more important thing is him saying, I got to show him. That's five months. I mean, you, you, the way it ended, I mean, that's not, that's not good leadership right there. Monty's got to extend that olive branch. The kid was 23 years old when the season ended. You got to, you got to extend that olive branch. Even after he gets the extension, just say, Hey, listen, I just wanted to say, I'm happy for you. Congrats. I'm happy for you. Just extend it. Like just, you know, open up the lines of communication. Don't go five months without talking to him, especially with all the bitterness and animosity in the way the season ended. Ended with those two. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I try to tell myself this all the time in my personal and professional relationships. Like sometimes it's just nice to send a, a text message saying, Hey, just thinking about you, <laughs> you know, like, right. Hey, how you doing? Right? Like I do that a lot. Um, even personally and professionally, just because I may not have something to say to somebody, but I just want them to know that I'm thinking about them. And it's, um, you know, there's a part of me that says, yes, of course, like, that definitely should have happened for whatever happened between Monty and DeAndre. I don't think that's ever really been reported out, right, in Game 7 while he got benched. Well, I think that um, he said what, what we heard from, from everybody that was that, that was right there on the bench is that he said, I can't pass myself the damn ball. And then Monty was like, what did you say? What did you say? And and at that point, he was they, they just benched him. So it just it, it was right. bad. I mean, they got they kind of got after each other a little bit. Not crazy, yeah. but enough to see to, to say it was a problem between the two of them. Yeah. I'll say this. I know Monty pretty well. Um, I have not asked him directly yet about like, oh, did you call DeAndre why you did or didn't? But just, just okay, This is so this is me surmising. Okay, I don't want to report like, you know, my, <laughs> my guess is there's a reason he hasn't called. But maybe, I don't know if this is a lesson that's trying to be learned or a maturity they're trying to develop. Um, he, Monty doesn't seem like the kind of guy who has like huge blind spots this way. Um, right. Yeah. This is my guess. Boy, just um, didn't think he was going mean, to be here. He's a very thoughtful guy. Yes. You know, and he really cares about his, he really cares about his players. I just, it, it'd be hard for me to believe that he just kind of let that one slip. Yeah, I, the only thing I could think of is that he probably thought that he was going to get he was going to get traded in the side and trade. All right, Ramona, listen, we always appreciate your time yeah. up against the break. Uh, great story on ESPN. We'll send everybody over there to go take a read for that. We in, in, appreciate you joining us. Hey, let's talk basketball next time, right? Not, yeah. Uh, I, 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 you guys have a good team out there. I like talking hoops. All yeah. right, next time, next time we'll <laughs> yeah, talk hoops. Thanks. All right, thanks, Ramona. Hi, that's Ramona Shelbourne from ESPN. Uh, me and her, honestly, we I played phone for the last like four days. We played phone tag with you. She keeps calling me like times that I'm not available and I call her and she's on the air. So too busy keep, people. keep missing too busy each people. other.